Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, pet peeps, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm your host, Marie Hewlett, and I thank you for tuning in this beautiful Saturday morning. Today, I have invited a very interesting gentleman to the program. He's just written a book entitled, How to Speak Cat. If you've ever needed help trying to figure out your feline friends, then this interview is definitely for you. Then, after our halftime break, we're going to be talking bunnies. Yes, it's that time of year. We go over all the do's and don'ts of bringing a pet rabbit into your home. Bunnies aren't for everyone, and they definitely aren't supposed to be surprise presents for little kids. It's just way too stressful for the little critters. Carolyn Charlin from the Bunny Bunch will be stopping by shortly to explain everything you need to know about bunny care. So stay right where you are, and we'll get started after a very quick station break here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewlett, and joining us now is Dr. Gary Weitzman. Welcome to the Pet Place, and you want me to call you Gary, so Gary it is. <laughs> sure, thank you. Thank you, Marie. Really good to be here. I understand that you have just written a book called How to Speak Cat. Right. Um, well, we did a book called How to Speak Dog about a year and a half ago, so I was going to get into big trouble if <laughs> we didn't follow it up for the feline population. Oh, wow. Well, do you think that it was easier to write a book about how to speak dog than it is how to speak cat? They seem a lot more mysterious. Yeah, I mean, that was really the whole um point of the book that we wanted to debunk some of the mystery while not taking all of it away because that is certainly you know um, a huge part of the feline draw that they like to think they like you to think that they're mysterious <laughs> <laughs> but that was the whole point of the book you know dogs are um, incredibly complex and cats are too and there's more similarities than there are differences but they don't want us to know that <laughs> Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> yes. Any self-respecting cat, anyway, he doesn't want you to know that. What are some of the most common issues that, that humans face with their little feline friends? Well, you know, honestly, with um, most of the calls that I got over the last few years on another radio program, uh, The Animal House, were, were basically litter box issues and cats oh. not getting along and acting out and behavior that wasn't great to stay in a house and stay mm-hmm. in a home and you know in animal shelters that's one of the biggest things we worry about oh yeah animals not being able to stay there so you know it always comes down to anxiety and stress for cats really yeah. yeah everything that they do is because they're stressed and okay. we've really created a domestic animal that we're not properly able to take care of sometimes okay well, how can we address some of these top issues that you've brought up just now? Let's let's start with litter boxes. Let's say you have a cat who for years and years and years has always faithfully used his litter box, and then all of a sudden, seemingly without any cause at all, 
he starts using dark corners of the house. Yes, or the bed. Or, or the bed, bed yeah. <laughs> or a pile of laundry, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because it's like a CSI um, investigation. Uh-huh. Because there's always, you said it exactly right. You know, for years and years and years, your cat does exactly the right thing. Then all of a sudden starts to change his behavior. And there's got to be a reason, and it's because of anxiety almost all the time. I mean, I can't tell you how many times people would bring a cat into the vet office to see me um, in years when I used to have a vet office. And thinking that it was a bladder infection or something like that, and it's almost always behavioral. So you have to look at, in each in each circumstance, what could possibly have gone wrong for your cat. Okay. One is to, maybe there's another cat outside that's right. lurking around and causing your cat to go insane by not being able to defend the property, and, you know, cats are very territorial, mm-hmm. and that can be a factor. Or there's extra birds out in the maple tree outside your your, your home. And that's causing your cat to get stressed and anxious. Really? Or maybe you brought in a new cat. Wow. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> you know, it sounds like you're speaking from experience. Uh-huh. That, that can be a little bit stressful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, they don't love that, do they? I mean, it's the funniest thing. It's They're such social animals with us, and they really don't like each other a lot of the time. Yeah, but, you know, I have found over the years of bringing in lots of animals into my house that eventually they figure it out and they learn how to get along. Yeah, and, yeah. and if they don't become best buddies, at least they'll live with each other. They'll tolerate each other. Hopefully. Oh, hopefully. <laughs> sometimes, though, sometimes the tragedy is, sometimes they don't. I had a, really? Years oh, ago, yeah. I had a board member with my former organization, and she's an animal. I mean, love her. Absolutely would do anything for her animals. And it broke her heart because she brought in a new cat, and the other cat absolutely became a different animal. Aww. Hiding crying, not eating for months on end. Wow. So we finally had to find a new place for the new cat. And it, that breaks your heart, too. You know, yeah. you love animals. You don't want to give one up for any reason. Oh, man, that must have been difficult. That's a tough thing. But it's good. You're right. Most of the time, no, they don't have to necessarily be best friends, but you really do want them to at least be able to tolerate each other. Yeah, yeah. You know, sit on uh, opposite sides of the couch. Yes. And yeah. glare at each that's other. That's okay. Yeah, that's totally <laughs> fine. So you're right. You know, in a lot of ways, they are easy, they are more difficult than dogs that way because dogs usually will get along or not get along, and then that's it. You kind of mm-hmm. got it. But with cats, it could just can take so much longer, and um, it's it's very stressful to everybody. Let me talk about something that, that we have actually going on with one of our kitties. She is a really sweet kitty that we actually fostered from the time she was very little. She was uh, abandoned with her mother and a sibling at a grocery store. And and we found a home for the mother and the sibling, but we kept her because she was sick and it wasn't likely that she was going to be adopted. She'd rather be probably be euthanized at the shelter where we were volunteering. So we decided to keep her and and see what happened, and she grew up into a lovely, beautiful kitty. She's two years old now, but she is very quick to bite for no apparent reason. She'll be sitting on our laps, purring and rubbing against us and being the sweetest little girl you could imagine, and then for no apparent reason, she'll find a soft, tender spot on (laughs) your body. And just nail us without yeah. any warning at all. And it, it just makes no sense. 
No, it doesn't, but it's not uncommon. And actually, we have a couple names for it, depending on <laughs> how how recently you've been bitten by your cat. Uh-huh. They're actually a behavior in in behavior speak. It's called petting induced aggression, and it's really common with some cats. And we just think there's an on and off switch. This sounds very um, simplistic, but an on and off switch that your cat just hits at just the blink of an eye. And usually what saves people that have those cats is that they start to learn, and I'm sure you do too, exactly how much petting your cat can tolerate Mm -hmm. before you're in trouble. I mean, Marie, your, your cat probably... You probably know now how far you can go. Usually. Yeah, I know, but sometimes <laughs> it's really strange, and it's just that it's it's on their terms. I mean, I think your cat probably really wants that attention from mm-hmm. you, but only to a point. And that, that actually, it's like the belly rub idea, which everybody that has a cat knows you don't touch their belly. No. <laughs> <laughs> or you learn the hard way, right? Pull but back dogs, a stump. Yeah. I've, got a, I've got a pit bull named Betty. Uh-huh. If you didn't rub her belly for 400 hours straight, <laughs> you would, you've done something wrong. <laughs> so completely the opposite. And cats that roll over for you to rub their stomachs, that's not what they're asking. They're really telling you they trust you. Uh-huh. And you break that trust if you actually start petting them on the belly. Oh, I don't think you try that with your cat. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no. I, I've, I've been in that position a few times where it seems like they're luring me in. I know, I know. Don't fall for that trap. <laughs> yeah, don't. It's the flim-flam of all, of, of all flim-flams with a cat. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, what about licking plastic? I've heard a lot of people who, who live with cats, and they tell me that their cats will go over to, like, a, a garbage can liner and just oh, yeah. lick and lick and lick and lick for hours and they have no idea what's going on with that. It is strange, isn't it? And it's not just plastic, but one of the biggest, most fun toys you can ever get if you're a cat is a plastic bag, like a shopping bag. So (laughs) it's all sorts of plastics. It's the feel of it. It's Uh the texture. They're incredibly texture-oriented animals. So food has to have a texture. Um, their bedding has to have a texture. They don't, it's not like they don't lick their um, litter box, but they, they certainly do have a preference um, on their pads with the texture of the litter. But really, it's all about texture, not even taste. So mm. people think, oh, maybe they have pica or some you know, dietary disorder mm-hmm. that they need certain nutrients, and they're trying to let you know that they need that. No, not at all. It's just that that very, very specialized tongue they've got really likes the texture of those items. I have no idea why. I mean, there's nothing less textural than, <laughs> to me, a plastic bag. <laughs> it also makes a lot of noise. So if you're sound asleep at 5 o'clock in the morning and your kitty decides it's time to go uh, lick the little plastic uh, yeah, liner yeah. of your trash can, uh, man, oh, man, that I should know. be very noisy. <laughs> it's like they hooked up to a megaphone. It's yeah. only for your benefit so that you make sure that they make sure you're up at 5 o'clock in the morning. So so do cats actually plot these evil intentions, you know, to, to wake you up and, and do all these crazy things that, that people say their cats do? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, okay. Now, who was, there was a poet that wrote, and somebody um, told me this a few weeks ago, and I, can't, I need to look up who wrote this, that here's the quote, cats dream of murder. <laughs> Isn't that the most perfect, perfect statement? Of course they don't, uh-huh. but they're always dreaming of really the hunt. Uh-huh. Or getting what they need, okay. and I think that's more accurate. But it sounds very cool to say they dream of murder, you know. So uh, what do they need when they're running in between your legs when you're 
you're walking down the stairs or in a dark hallway. Yeah, they're <laughs> oh, they're not really thinking of murdering you, but it's um I think you know running between your legs is really getting your attention and uh-huh. wrapping around you really is acceptance and it's actually one of the most beautiful things to have earned by this somewhat aloof creature. Um, it's really nice, but the, the everything's about the hunt and stalking and pouncing and lurking and patience and not blinking. It's all really, they're just amazing, amazing creatures to do that. I hope they're not planning on tripping us down the stairs. It reminds me kind of of a Stephen King story that was really horrifying about a cat who truly was not only dreaming of murder, but enacting it. Oh, no. (laughs) One of the creepiest stories he ever wrote, seriously. Oh, wow. Well, a lesser crime. Let's talk about theft. I've heard about a lot of animals who, kitties, who will steal little personal items and oh, yeah. hide them. Is that common? Yeah, actually, more than more than a lot of people know. It's actually really interesting. It's part of the hunt. And we talk about a story in the book about a cat who actually decided to pick up all of the garden tools from all of the neighbors, which would mysteriously um, end up in one woman's house. And wow. everybody else wasn't able to do any work anymore. And it's a real story. Garden and that tools. cat was bringing back <laughs> garden gloves and oh, other okay, things okay. that were just all piling up on her porch. I'm thinking of a rake. I uh, yeah, like, hopefully wow. that didn't happen, but it could have been. <laughs> some of the cats we see are quite large. But it's funny because it really it's about the hunt. And frankly, you know, not that we want our pets to go steal from our neighbors. Right. But much happier to have a garden glove show up at my house than, you know, maybe a, a half-dead rodent or a bird. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Gary, uh, we're at a time, but I want everybody to know where they can find your book. Oh, sure. Um, all the usual places, but certainly at nationalgeographic.org or at Amazon or preferably Amazon Smile and make sure you donate back to a nonprofit. Absolutely. Doing that. Okay. But, yeah, but thank you for having me. It was really fun to talk to you. It was fun. And we need to take a very quick break now, but when we return, Carolyn Charlin from the Benny Bench will be sharing some great tips on caring for bunnies. So stay right where you are and we'll be right back on KJazz. 88.1 FM. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show, and with me now is the Pet Place Rabbit Expert, Caroline Charland of the Bunny Bunch. Good morning, Caroline. Good morning. I'm so happy you're here because it is that time of year where we need to start talking about bunnies and potentially Easter bunnies and all the do's and don'ts that go along with that. Yes, that's right. So a lot of times people will see cute little fuzzy-wuzzy baby bunnies at their local pet store, which you know more and more pet stores are no longer getting involved in that, but there are still some that do sell baby bennies at this time of year, and they bring them home to their kids, often little kids, like four-, or five-year-olds, six-year-olds, and I'm wondering, what do you think about that? Well, actually, it's um, terrible. It's actually become an epidemic. So many baby bunnies, including lots of underage baby bunnies, are sold every year and bought, like you said, by people for their children, and over 80% of them die before they're even a year old. Oh, wow. And that's because bennies are very fragile. They're not a real hearty, strong pet like a, a big big dog. 
<laughs> well, the difference is there's a proper way to care for them, and mm-hmm. they're not a good pet for a child. And so rabbits can live, you know, 10, 12, even 14 years, okay. but they have to be in the proper situation. It's hard to hold a rabbit, isn't it, without getting scratched unless you really know what you're doing. Exactly. Rabbits need to be held the proper way, and if they don't feel safe, they're not scratching on purpose. What they're doing is scrambling to be put down on the ground. Right. And often what happens is young children will drop them and the ba- the rabbits will break their back. Oh, gosh. That's it's Very horrible sad. for both you know, the child and for the rabbit, obviously more so for the rabbit. But then that could lead to some pretty bad memories about your first pet, taking care of a pet, what it was like, and then and then knowing that you were responsible for potentially it dying. I mean, that's just not a good thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so we do not suggest rabbits abort at Easter time at all. We have a big Easter campaign saying, you know, buy a chocolate rabbit or a toy rabbit for your child sure, instead absolutely. of a real rabbit. One thing that I did for my daughter is when she wanted to have a pet bunny, what I got for her at Easter time was a bunny care book and she had to read the book cover to cover and I even quizzed her on everything that was in the book and then we were able to get a little pet bunny for her but only after she truly understood all of the responsibilities and all the care that went along with it because some kids are up for it and some kids aren't and as a parent it's your responsibility to know and it's also your responsibility to be responsible for the pet because kids, let's face it, they're they're not able to be fully responsible for animals yet, especially if they're young. Yeah, that's true. And unfortunately, you know, children can't be responsible, like you said, fully. And what happens is, you know, they they get used to having the bunny. Now it's no longer new, no longer taking interest in it, busy with school. And the parents often don't want the responsibility, and that's why the babies often die because they forget they're going to be fed or given water. They're left outside in a hut. The heat kills them. Or people think they can just dump them in a field because they see wild rabbits, and, of mm-hmm. course, they can't survive there. So we don't suggest children having them as pets unless the adults in the household are the ones that would like to have a rabbit. Right. And then it can be the whole family, but children can't look after them. Mm-hmm. It's very, very difficult. And you mentioned something that I really want to address on the show, and that's putting a rabbit in a hutch. This is not ideal, is it? No, it's actually terrible life for a rabbit. If you can imagine, lots of people call and say, we have this huge hutch. Well, a huge hutch for them is maybe four foot by two foot. That's way too small of a space for a rabbit to live in. Rabbits need to run do binkies, which is when they jump up in the air, kick their heels. And but they don't just do that for a few hours a day. They need to be able to do it 24-7 whenever they feel like it. Right, right. Hutches are often kept outside where it's way too hot for the rabbits. In California, back east, there's snow. And um, hutches have a wire bottom. Rabbits should never stand on a wire bottom. And predators can actually open up a hut, such as a raccoon, and will mm-hmm. get the rabbit and kill it. Absolutely, and I've actually responded to cases back in my animal control years of rabbits who were actually killed inside of their outdoor pens because predators, like you said, were able to open up the gates or dig under them. For example, coyotes are very good at digging, and and rabbits are very good at digging too, so they could get underneath pens that are on the earth and dig right through and get out and 
man, that's a recipe for disaster right there. Yeah, rabbits do great living indoors. And they can be litter box trained, can't they? Yeah, it's important that they're spayed or neutered um, for part of the litter box training. And they need a great big litter box about the size of the rabbit laying stretched out. A lot of people get a corner litter box or a small litter box, Mm -hmm. which is way too small. So a big litter box, rabbit-safe litter on the bottom, and needs to be piled full of hay because rabbits like to poop and graze at the same time. Oh, gosh, yeah. That's something that people don't like to hear, but (laughs) it is true. Yeah, and rabbits actually eat their own poop, and so it's not dirty that they're eating um, and pooping in the same place. It's Mm. it's almost like they make their own vitamins. (laughs) That's an interesting way to put it. (laughs) Okay, so what is the rabbit-safe litter that you put on the bottom underneath the hay? Um, There's several kinds. Um, We use CareFresh, but there's several different kinds out there now. A lot better than it used to be because a lot more people do have rabbits indoors with litter boxes, Mm -hmm. so there is more offered. You just never want to use a cat litter. Okay, okay. That's good to know. And as far as space inside your house, should you have Mm -hmm. a designated bunny-proof space for them to be running around in, or can they just have free run of the house. What's your recommendation there? There's several ways to do it. Some people do have rabbits that have free run of the house. They still, however, need to have a corner or an area that belongs to them where they'd have a big litter box, maybe a big bed, their food and water so they can call that their own spot. Okay. When they do have run of the house, we have to make sure electric cords are out of their way or covered. You you know, they can't get to anything that's dangerous because they are big chewers. Mm -hmm. I always tell people, you know, if you've got something you don't want chewed, then you've got to get it out of that room um, because rabbit's teeth continually grow and they chew. They can dig up carpet, different things like that. And in that case, if you do have things you don't want chewed, then you can put your rabbit in an exercise pen in the house and then the rabbit can come out for playtime. Okay. And do rabbits get along with other animals? Let's say you have a cat or a dog. Um, yeah, they can. However, um, you do have to be very careful with dogs. Cats don't seem to be a problem at all, although we always suggest trim the nails on the cat, mm-hmm. and we tell people how to introduce them to each other. Dogs, however, you know, can be deadly for rabbits, and it's all individual cases. So um, what we do is we do dog tests. We have people bring their dogs, and we just see how they behave in an um, appropriate area. Not one-on-one with the rabbit, of course, but some dogs have a high prey drive and you can never tell. So that is something you have to be very careful about and find out before you get a rabbit. And then when you do have a dog and a rabbit in the home, they do need to be kept totally separate so the dog cannot get to the rabbit, you know, in a different room. Okay, that makes perfect sense. And you have a big facility where you do rabbit adoptions. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and and how somebody can adopt one of the little critters at your place. We have two facilities. One is in Fountain Valley and one is in Montclair. The address is at bunnybunch.org, and we're open Wednesday through Sunday. We have over 100 rabbits in our program at all times that have been rescued. They're all spayed and neutered and litter box trained and available for adoption. And one thing we do, we invite anyone that's thinking about getting a rabbit to come to us so we can tell you all about rabbits, their care, what's expected before you get a rabbit. Definitely. Okay. Do you have books for sale at the the facilities? We do. We have a Bunny Bunch Boutique has a full store there that has um, great books about rabbit care, even about elderly rabbits and rabbits that need special care. Okay. And we also have all the supplies, great hay, healthy toys, 
retreats, and we also hold classes about rabbit care there, too. Oh, nice. So you're a full-service facility. <laughs> we are, yes, we are. If somebody wanted to take a look at some of the animals that you have in your care currently, are they posted on your website? Yeah, we're actually updating our website as we speak, so we continually have new rabbits coming in and guinea pigs and chinchillas, and oh. then as they get adopted, we take them off. Okay. But they're always welcome just to stop by our place, too. Okay, and what is the cost for adopting a rabbit if somebody was interested? It's an $85 donation, and our rabbits are already spayed on YouTube, so it goes to cover the cost of that. Yeah, the average cost of a spay is around $300 for a rabbit, because you do have to go to a special rabbit vet. So somebody's getting quite the deal if they adopt yeah. a Benny from your place. Wow, $80, that is amazing. And then, do rabbits need vaccinations? Um, in America, they don't. Okay. Not in America. And, and what sort of health pro- uh, problems do you expect to encounter over the life of your pet rabbit? I know you mentioned their teeth continually grow. Is there anything anybody needs to do as far as dental care? Um, well, there is. We do suggest rabbits go for a well check with a good rabbit vet once a year. And once they become middle-aged, which is around six or seven, we suggest they go twice a year, and the vet will look at the teeth. Rabbits need stuff continually to chew. That their hay helps, and then we have all kinds of or apple twigs and willow, different things which help keep their teeth trim. Okay. Rabbits can have something called malocclusion where the teeth don't line up, in which case they either have to be trimmed or removed. Oh, wow. Okay, so all of this information, a lot of it, they can. our listeners can talk to your volunteers all about it and get great yes. information, or they can stop by bunnybench.org, correct? Yes, correct. Carolyn, I so appreciate the fact that you stop by the Pet Place every year before Easter to talk about this very important information that can make all the difference in the lives of bunnies and their people. So thanks again for stopping by this year. Thank you very much for having us. We need to take one last break, but don't go away because we'll be right back with Pet Place news and events here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewitt, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. Can you believe it's almost time for Pet Expo? That's right. Mark your calendars for April 10th through 12th from 10 to 6 each day for the world's largest pet and pet products exposition. The great thing about this event is that shelters and rescues from all over Southern California bring beautiful, adoptable pets to the fairgrounds, and you can adopt one or two or maybe even three if you're up for it. And while you're there, you can enjoy fabulous pet-related entertainment, educational seminars, and shopping for toys and treats for your four-legged furry or feathery or even scaly family members. They pretty much have everything under the sun there, and if you love animals, this is the event for you. And as usual, I'll be there in the Pet Place booth, so be sure to stop by and say hello. I always enjoy meeting the faithful listeners. For more information, visit www.petexpooc.org. 
And don't forget to check out our website at www.petplace.org to send us your comments or suggestions for the show and see what other fun animal-related activities there are on the Pet Place calendar. You can also find us on Facebook. We're listed under Pet Place Radio, and remember, that's all one word. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on KJAZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt. Please stay or new to your pets, and have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.